that's what I illusions. This episode is going to be a solo show. We're going to do another episode of Transgender Storytime. And the subject of this episode is going to be all about butts. Not in a sexual way. So if you're, if you're looking for a sexual episode about butts as opposed to a mundane episode about butts, uh, you'll probably have to look elsewhere because this is going to be a mundane episode about transitioning and the bodily changes that happen with HRT as well as musings on body positivity. You know, the, the bodily changes of transitioning are... Uh, Occasionally hard to talk about because I'd see pictures of myself now versus a couple of years ago, and you can say, oh, well, what a radical change has happened. But, you know, the day-to-day, this stuff, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. This body stuff uh, changes very slowly. And just in terms of when you're going on the day-to-day, it can be hard to notice that, yes, I have a woman's body now. And maybe, I don't know, you hear about all the people, oh, Melfrey, Belbril, blah, 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 with regard to sports and stuff like that. You kind of uh, forget the the fact that, yeah, my body is different. And that's a good thing. That's the whole point of that. But I've always been somebody who uh, sort of puts into words or explains my transition through the lens of, I had a very bad case of gender dysphoria, which I've worked through, and life now is not, uh, you know, this constant struggle. You hear about all the all the transgender narratives that are just nothing but misery and uh, sorrow. No, I mean, life's pretty good now, and yet, obviously, my body's still changing. Puberty is something that takes a while, and HRT... Uh, you know, can can really take a, a number of years before it's fully, uh, before the effects are fully felt. So it's hard to, you know, talk about bodily changes from the day-to-day because you don't really notice them. And yet, yeah, my thighs are bigger. Uh, fat distributes itself differently. And most, you know, I have boobs now. Not, not insignificant ones either, like... Haven't had implants. I would probably like them, but it's not really on my radar just yet. And thankfully, I'm not in a position where I have no boob at all. I have a 36B, if you really want to know. That's not coarse to share, but... You know, it's nothing nothing to scoff at. Pretty decent. Can't complain there. But really, when I, when I think about... I guess I take this sort of... Uh, mundane approach to transition. I don't I don't really talk about oh I need this surgery, I need that surgery. You know, there's this big effort to sort of demedicalize the term transgender or uh transitioning itself as not a you know, you don't have to there's plenty of transgender people who don't medically transition and that's perfectly fine. You know, this transition journey must be tailored to the individual because not every person is going to need HRT and more power to them. Certainly probably wish that I didn't need to be on hormones for the rest of my life, but honestly, after a couple of years, that really does kind of solidify the sense that 
this is a journey that doesn't really have to do with all of the, you know, superficial, all the insults that people hurt, the transgender people of, like, people just wanting to, you know, prance around in a princess dress, covered in makeup. I actually, I really don't like makeup. I wear it very infrequently. I don't hate it. But I'm in a long-term relationship now, and I work from home, and uh, that really uh, cuts down on the amount of uh, occasions where you'd want to put on makeup. And as a result, you know, I don't just sit in the... I can honestly count the number of times I just put on makeup to play with it uh, over the past year on one hand. And the reason I can do that is because that number is zero. I really... uh, I do like princess dresses, but... um, I don't wear them all. I don't really wear them very often at all. And if you don't know what to make of that, that's fine. I don't really know what to make of it. Other than transitioning has never really been about the uh, external. It's always the internal. HRT made me feel better. I, I, you know, I've talked about we did our feelings episode. It, uh, it improves your uh, mental health in so many ways. But for the external... I have this big butt now. I don't say that as... It's not like, you know, it's not in danger of uh, orbiting Mars or, or getting caught in the Earth's gravitational pull, but it's a hell of a lot bigger than it used to be. And I guess I kind of laugh because it wasn't really something that I thought about much, which is good because... If you go into HRT wanting some sort of specific area of your body to uh, grow, I mean, obviously, fat will redistribute, but, but you never know how much will or where it will in a precise sense. It charts the course that it wants to. And I didn't think about butts before. And there's this theory, if you listen to our The State of Transgender Rights in the in New Zealand episode... We mentioned autogynephilia briefly, and that's probably been mentioned in other episodes, but autogynephilia is this theory by this Canadian crackpot. Uh, he has a PhD. He's sort of a scientist. named Ray Blanchard. And basically the theory is that um, transgender women transition because they're attracted to themselves. Um, something that I myself, uh, w- with the basis being... They're um, straight men who become women so that they can uh, sit at home and, and wank to their the mirror and their reflection. I don't, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and my heavy attraction to men also uh, throws a whole wrench in that. As to the existence of trans men, autogynephilia has uh, nothing to do, uh, has nothing really to say on transgender women who are attracted to men or transgender men, period, so... It's a stupid theory, and the derision to which I talk about it also reflects why, you know, you want to do a podcast episode, it's typically pretty easy to put together. This one, I just haven't wanted to go near with a 10-foot pole, because it's just, it's it's an annoying topic that's very frustrating, and a lot of the people on the gender-critical side like to throw that stuff around, and it's just, it's on the surface very stupid to think about. But, and it, it kind of as a result of that, I don't go, oh, my boobs are so huge. My boobs are so huge. Not that it, you know, it's, it, you know, I don't go around all day saying, oh, my boobs are so huge. My boobs, I look at my huge ass because you get the people all hop into your mentions. Oh, you're just another guy. I feel, 
autogynephiliac. I don't know what the hell they call it, but. And that's just something you have to put up with. And it's not as if that's something that really, uh, you know, interferes with my life in any way. I'm not attracted to myself. I'm not, you know, in love with myself in that way. So it's not like I sit in the mirror and fawn over this body of mine that's different from before. It's hard to say I'm, you know, terribly proud of it either. I don't do a heck of a lot of uh, working out. I'm a certified yoga teacher, but uh, lately my preferred form of exercise is I get on the elliptical and I watch Star Trek while I on my iPad while I work out. So not like I'm not going to Soul Cycle or I'm not doing bar fitness to uh, get a nice rounded rump, but I work out and uh, it's it's looking pretty good. And that's that's a good thing in this weird, weird way, which maybe is not even that weird, but to me maybe it is because, you know, I haven't been used to being on good terms with my body. I, And it's kind of even weird to say that because I played college water polo. I've uh, worked out a lot. I've had a pretty, I had, I guess, probably chunky stages when I was little, and then... In 2012, when I was abroad in Australia, I played water polo for a little bit, but then I had a new workout, which was drinking and eating. I really hated the food in Australia. I thought it was, aside from like Malaysian food or Chinese food, I thought it was really bad all around. The beef wasn't very good, but I used to just eat like, I'd have either Chinese food or I would have... Uh, chicken parm or Nando's and uh, gained quite a few pounds as a result. And it's study abroad. Oh, and I drank a lot of beer also. A lot of beer. Pretty much drunk every night. And I was abroad. I mean, it's not, you know, it's something that happened. But I think as a result, I kind of did develop something of a love-hate relationship with my body. And after college, I worked very hard to get my... Uh, you know, weight incurred. It was never really a freshman 15. It was more of like a junior 20 and then just kind of stayed on. And uh, eventually I dealt with it. And, you know, from there, it's 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 kind of been a uh, smooth sailing in the sense that I haven't really cared much either way. I've never been into weightlifting. Most of my working out is either cardio or stretchy like yoga. Not like super, super body positive, but not like, ah, I hate myself either. I mean, if that makes sense to some people. And I mean, if you're if you're trans and you're listening, you probably know just from talking to other trans people that uh, we all we all approach dysphoria from very, very different levels. It's um, it's an individual thing. Some people don't experience it at all. But for me, I just, I was really, transitioning was this mental thing. It was something I, I had to deal with for upstairs versus, you know, I guess we don't say the term downstairs in more colloquial sense because uh, that's a bit inappropriate. But um, with regard to something like a butt, um, I didn't have a super big problem with it before. And it wasn't high on my like wish list of, oh my god, I'm transitioning, I want to have this huge ass. And now I do, and it's, um, again, I don't want to say I, I, I'm proud of it, because I haven't done that much to deserve it, but 
Besides, I guess, eating. I'm a big dessert person. Which is okay, because I don't really drink anymore. So... Which was actually another episode was transitioning in alcohol. So if you've listened to all of these, you know all of this stuff already. So I'm not going to go around uh, playing the greatest hits. But I like my desserts. I'm a big stoner. That probably explains uh, sort of where I'm coming at from a lot of this. I like to eat nice sugary things after I've smoked a lot of pot. And I live in California, so the pot's pretty cheap. And... uh, I like to make good use of the the local greenery. So this butt that I have is um, something I look at it in the mirror, and I'm proud of it. It's something that I look in the mirror, and I like it. And I've thought a lot about that simple fact in uh, over the past few months. Uh, Tara's complimented it. A lot of people have complimented it. In fact, I've been catcalled a few times. And so I've probably been catcalled five or six times over the course of my transition, probably more. Those are the instances where I have a good memory of it. And there was this one time where I'm walking and this guy, I'm wearing tight leggings, which I've been wearing a lot lately because I realize I look good in them. And I'm walking and I have a probably a short t-shirt on. So the full, uh, full rears, not exposed like bare skin, but you have a good view of it if you're walking around. It looked good in leggings. And this guy drives by and he's screaming out, oh my God, that ass. And um, we're not supposed to think that those things are particularly good. Uh, They shouldn't be. They're not really uh, supposed to be. We're not supposed to like catcalling. Catcalling is sexist. Uh, It's often, it can feel, you can feel very, uh, uh, you can feel not unsafe during it. It can be dangerous. Uh, it's coarse, and uh, it's all those terrible things, which is important to note because um, it should be. Uh, it's not something that anyone should encourage. And yet I heard that. And there's this weird part of me that's my old. And that's wrong, and I admit it. It's not like I liked it. It did not make me want to sleep with the guy. But um, I've been catcalled a few times, and when it happens, you realize that it's this saying you've probably, uh, if you've heard me in another transgender uh, podcast before, I've said, you know, the gender critical people can treat us differently, but uh, we're still susceptible to a lot of the misogyny that uh, cisgender women face. And there's a sense that you get catcalled and you sort of think to yourself, okay, yeah, that sucked, but he thought I was hot. And this guy was probably like, I don't know, only like 15 feet away or something, driving, rear end or so, or the, he saw my backside, but uh, yells it out, and there I am. Not totally hating the fact that he did. Because I I left the house in tight leggings knowing that I was showing off the hardware. Uh, That's not an invitation for people to provide open course commentary. But it's something that happened that reinforced the idea that on my external shell, the shell I wake up with Every morning, therefore, the changes that 
have happened aren't always apparent to the naked eye. This was confirmation that something was going right. And that doesn't, you know, justify it or make it okay or, you know, it's not something, it's not, it's not, you know, I'm not grateful to this cat caller, but, um, yeah, I got cat called, like, I've been getting cat called since before I was on hormones, so, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's much of a, uh, I don't think there's much of a, you know, scale of one to ten tests before people will do that on just about anybody, because I certainly was not very, uh, I didn't look very, I didn't feel very attractive then. It was an awkward, uh, the pre-hormone era of transitioning was, was very tough for me. And that's reflective of a lot of the other things that were going on in my life, but there's lots waiting. And a lot of transitioning is defined by waiting. But I don't have to wait for butts anymore because I've got mine. And I do hope it gets bigger, even though uh, proportion. Uh, I don't really know how it would get bigger without me uh, gaining weight that I don't really need. And right now I could probably stand to lose, I don't know, 5 or 10 pounds. But I say that as somebody who doesn't, you know, super feel that need. It's the summer, a lot of treats. You know, that's okay. And it's important to note that it's okay. Because from a mental health standpoint, transitioning was an effort to regain some of the control over my emotions that were really haywire before. It was difficult. And now I'm on these estrogen pills and progesterone and, uh, you know, the testosterone blockers, and you uh, find your perspective in a new way. And I look at my rear, and um, I see something that wasn't there before, which is getting dangerously close to a uh, Disney song that I don't want to start singing. It's kind of this, um, I don't know, is it, I was about to say living proof, but it is, I'm alive. My body doesn't have a mind of its own. It's this shrine to body positivity that I have now. It's my own little personal, my own little personal shrine. <laughs> ah, that sounds moronic to say. And plenty of people have better butts. That's fine by me, because I've got one that I can call my own and be happy with it and if that isn't the stupidest idea for a podcast it's important though it's important because when it comes to transition we deal with these sort of impossible standards a lot of times that we can put on ourselves i see it on twitter with my friends when i talk to people who are just having a down day or whatnot uh there's a lot of the world out there that's that's uh pretty unforgiving to us and just to kind of make it through the day uh, can be a victory in and of itself. I mean, that's that's an issue kind of for the broader millennial generation. This sort of, we've been fixed, uh, we've been conditioned to be so super fixated on productivity. It's good to have a day where you do nothing. I worked a full day before hopping on this, and there was a part of me that said to myself, you know, you don't need to be recording right now. And I, I wanted to do it because it's so exciting, but to get to kind of talk to talk about this stuff, but transitioning is a slow journey. It's glacier slow. 
even under the best of circumstances. And puberty, uh, you know, any, any of us who are teenagers know that puberty takes a couple years. It's a long thing. And you're always, you know, you're hormonal and you've got these, all these different emotions. You're not sure how to feel. Well, that's, you know, I've now experienced that twice. If you think back to your teenage years, whether or not you had, whether or not you experienced the sensation or knew somebody who did, just the idea that uh, there's plenty of teenagers who are supposed to just have that, all that angst towards their parents, all of that kind of stuff. Um, the hormonal angst of puberty. I've gone through that knowing that that hormonal changes can provoke certain reactions, and I do my best to avoid them. But it's still... Uh, I mean, I, how many of us would want to relive our puberty, even under the circumstances of uh, going through the right one? So much of my body is sore at random times for, I was about to say random reasons, but uh, puberty, we know the reason. And my boobs are often sore. Uh, if you're a woman, trans, or cis, or otherwise, you probably know the sensation. I know it too now, after a few years, but I, I got to learn it. <laughs> and I guess there were times when I thought it would go away. And it has, but uh, just lately, after a few months of not really feeling this, it's happened again. My boobs are sore as we speak. And they're big enough to be at the stage where uh, if I don't have a bra on and I'm running... I'm reminded that it's a good idea to wear a bra. If you're a uh, if you're a man, and you've ever wondered why women wear bras, they're not just to uh, give it shape and make uh, make everything look bigger. No, they actually have practical value, and you learn that best uh, through the day when uh, you actually need one and you don't have it, and all of a sudden you're just like, ow, ow. My life now. And there's always kind of the, this is what you signed up for. Of course, I can still complain about it. What would life be if we couldn't complain? I don't mean to just sort of uh, praise the, you know, sing the praises of complaining to an audience that is choosing to listen to me and probably doesn't want me to just sit here and whine. But just as like a general mental health tip, Complaining can be very good. It can be cathartic. It can, uh, you know, to sit at the bar and complain about your boss to your friends. Or to random people you just met who feel an obligation to listen to you. At least until the moment when you stop talking and then they can find a convenient way to leave. I don't know this from experience. I'm just uh, describing an example. They say that it's it's what you signed up for when you complain. And yet, I think you'd actually get in a similar position if you sat at that bar and talked about how big your ass was for more than 30 seconds. 25 seconds, maybe. It sounds like you're bragging. 
making a podcast about the subject. Some people could be like, you know, Ian needs to get over herself. That's probably true of most podcasters. But at least for me, I... I say it almost more out of surprise than it's not something to necessarily be uh, proud of. Not really proud of at all. I have a big ass uh, a little bit because I work out, but mostly because I smoke a lot of weed. And by token, I eat a lot of treats. I'm not somebody who, you know, gets like awful munchies. I've been a everyday pothead for probably five or six years now can count probably the off days on both ends no, no joke not, not something be, that's not something to be proud of and yet that's uh probably the driving reason why i have an ass i unabashedly like twinkies i like more highbrow desserts sort of i like pie a lot but uh, I like ice cream, and I like those uh, those Hostess or Drake's cakes that you can buy at the store for a, not a lot of money. They're good. They're good in, like, an awful kind of way, but... Yeah, Twinkie is actually a good thing. There's no, nothing, uh, nothing to be ashamed about for liking a uh, yellow sponge cake with a billion unpronounceable ingredients that's got, you know, it's got a nice cream filling. It's it's delicious. And I guess the thing that I, I, I can't stop wrapping my head around is that I have this ass. There were all the, you know, all the years before this transition, and actually not even just this transition, but this this moment over the past couple months that I've known that I have a tush that I enjoy. If you hadn't figured that out by now. Or if you just skip to the... Dude, I don't know if people do that, but... For all that time... For all the time before now, I would uh, see large asses, large large butts, and I would uh, not necessarily be envious of all of them, but there was a part of me that said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I had one of those to call my own? If butts is singular or plural. Let's just kind of use them interchangeably and then people don't comment on how I uh, mix that up. And I have a master's in English literature and I still don't know that. We didn't learn about butts, really. Adultery a lot in uh, British literature, but not that. Go figure. <laughs> and there was all that time... Figuring that this wasn't going to be something that was a part of me. And the same would hold true for a lot of, uh, lot of different features, certainly. But I guess maybe this is my uh, uh, butt is the first part of my body and my transition that I would probably... is is. If it's not final form, then it's uh, close, closest to final form. And by that I mean it's shaped itself in a way that I am uh, pleased should it not develop any further. 
And I try to explain this in terms that don't use uh, Dragon Ball Z, but I keep the image of Frieza is totally in my head right now. And actually, from where I'm recording, I'm looking at a uh, Pop Funko of both Frieza and Vegeta. But they're, they're in my head before I was even looking. Frieza, at least. I think about that metaphor a lot in my transition Frieza, who had like four forms before he got the dome shape, all the different spiky heads. But uh, yeah, it works. I'm more happy with my body than I was, you know, two years ago or three years ago or four years ago, but is it exactly where I want it to be? I would probably not say that that is the case, which isn't the same as saying, you know, I, I keep myself up at night with uh, images of crippling dysphoria, but I imagine a lot of us trans or however else you identify, I, you know, I think there's a lot of us who have things that we would even in an ideal world like to change. And it's not as if my, uh, it's not as if my butt is in its uh, final form anyway. It's going to change. If I keep up my treat habit, it'll make it bigger. Which I don't think I would hate, but I don't know. There's a certain size where you'd be like, okay, this is enough. I guess maybe some of this, uh, some of these reflections uh, serve as a stand-in for the fact that I uh, have a surgery, Lots, a couple surgeries coming up, and I don't want to get too in-depth into them because I, I think I haven't committed to totally doing a pre-surgery reflection uh, podcast, but uh, it's it's I'm thinking about it. If you'd like to see one, uh, comment or a tweet or something. Uh, Make your voice known. I guess that's what I was trying to say. If people think that would be uh, beneficial. I had all those years where I had a body that uh, any sort of change that I would want to make existed in some sort of fantasy because I didn't think I would transition. And then I did. And now it's like slowly dawning on me that I actually do have some of, I actually do kind of look the way that I would have wanted to. And that'll continue to be the case later, but I've never been I've never been one of those people who was, you know, believed in the saying, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Maybe this is just the yogi in me, but uh, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at, at appreciating things before they're gone. Because this idea that we don't have an ability to to grasp time in the presence, I think, is a load of nonsense. You know, there there are, there are certain aspects of a person's life where there could be some sort of sudden or drastic change, and all of a sudden you would uh, think to yourself, gee, I really wish I'd uh, stop and smell the roses a little more. But there are a lot of moments in our lives, uh, a lot of instances or uh, areas in our lives where we can stop and smell the roses. If you're listening, you can pause and uh, figuratively smell the roses. You can smell them right now. You know, take a, take a second and do that. Not an appreciation of this podcast, but something in your life that has meaning for you. You should.
we don't have to appreciate things in hindsight. We're all capable of doing that in the present. And regardless of uh, what what size uh, my Twitch takes in the future, and it will take other uh, shapes, and there will come a day when I have a body that, you know, looks old. Old and female, but old. I'm, uh, I'm, I just had a birthday last week, or two weeks ago, depending on when this runs. Birthday was in, uh, was in July. And I turned 28, which means I'll be 30 soon. And especially at the beginning of my career as an author or uh, in college when I was, uh, when I founded The Rock or when I was, you know, pretty much, pretty much everything I've done up until this point has always carried the reaction of, oh, and you're so young too. I'm not so young anymore. And if you're older than me listening, you're saying, shut up, I, what, what I wouldn't give to be 28. People have, people have said that over the past couple of weeks. It's true. It's not like I'm an ancient, not ready for the AARP yet. But I am pushing on 30. And HRT makes you, uh, a lot of trans women I know have uh, attested to this, but the idea that you, you do look younger. I get carded a lot more. A uh, bartender looked at my ID and said, oh my God, I can't believe you're, I, w- I would not have thought you were 20. I guess I would have been 27 at the time. And my face looks less old than it used to. I haven't deleted any of my Instagram pictures from before I transitioned. So you can, you know, look for yourself, go to back to 2015 or whatnot and look at that Ian versus this one. I think I do look a bit younger then, or now, than I did then. My ass wasn't as nice. It's important to stop and smell the roses. There will come a day when... I would not say that... Uh, I will not speak about my uh, that particular part of my body with this much enthusiasm. And that's okay. But it feels maybe not important or necessary, but satisfying to take a moment. And by a moment, I mean a whole podcast episode. And think about this journey we're on. If you're in the middle of your transition and listening, you're probably in a similar boat. The process can be so frustratingly slow. And it helps to just just stop and uh, think to yourself, you know, I may not be where I want to be, but think of how far I've come since coming out, starting HRT, presenting full-time. I hate that concept, by the way, presenting. It's an important reality of uh, the world out there that we all have to live in. Don't get me wrong. But I, I, I really think that the time period where it became, where there really wasn't a, uh, you know, and I just had one, one wardrobe. 
while still having, you know, various strands of clothes that I have had since before I transitioned, but just the idea that I was even attempting to quote-unquote pass as male. I think my mental health has improved dramatically since that stopped being something that was on the docket to think about every day. It's true. I mean, you know, I still get misgendered a fair amount. It happens. Usually because, I mean, I just really don't wear makeup very often, and I don't want to. And with my male name and, you know, no makeup, wearing jeans or something, it, it can happen. It's happening to me in a dress with makeup. Obviously. I don't know why I said that and in such a surprising fashion. Plenty of people out there just do it on purpose. And I, I, I sincerely try not to make a big deal out of it. I, I accept that I am more uh, susceptible to it happening by token of choices that I've made. But now, getting back to butts, I feel like I get misgendered less because my butt is... I have a woman's butt. And people will associate me as female because they'll see that if they think of me as an object of desire... I try to say that as, as scientifically and as objectively as possible. And I sound like I'm totally full of shit as I, as I say that because who would want to sound objective talking about how boys look at their own ass? And because I'm in a long-term relationship, it's not like I can uh, go conduct a field poll to see if they're serious or not. But I get hit on. I don't want to act on uh, getting hit on. I'm in a happy, monogamous relationship, but I would be lying if I said I didn't like it. We tell ourselves to uh, not have, not place our own self-worth in uh, the way that other people see us, but external validation is lovely. It's okay to like compliments. There's a difference between leading someone on and... Uh, Soaking in the uh, the pre thanks but no thanks uh, dismissal that follows. It's nice to to have other people think you're cute. And I know I'm not talking about rocket science when I say these things, but I feel like a lot of the time we can have a tendency to censor ourselves. With regard to those types of feelings. To like it when people try and flirt with you. Because again, getting back to like, you know, just the very idea of uh, talking to people about how much I like my ass. It sounds so vain in so many different contexts. And yet, it's okay to, it's okay to, after years of crippling dysphoria, to all of a sudden... Flip the table and be excited about yourself for a change. And we don't have a ton of productive outlets to do that. Maybe because, I, you know, maybe because it's the kind of thing that doesn't really need a, a major outlet all, all the time. Like if I were to wake up and think about my butt all day, every day, and tell everybody I knew about it multiple times... 
even like once every you know few days, just you know cycle the people, so I wasn't telling one person about it all the time. If I talked about it enough, people would think I was a narcissist, and they'd probably be right. And I'm not talking about that, but even just the basic, I feel good about myself. How many of us? express that sentiment to another person ever really you know people ask you know how are you doing how are you we tend to go for the the canned response immediately good how are you what does that good mean and then other times if you ask somebody how they're doing and they start saying oh well today my boss at work asked me to redo the excel spreadsheet and then I found out my wife's divorcing me, running off with a woman she met playing Fortnite, and my dog matched with a new owner on Barkter, the puppy version of Tinder. If somebody was telling you those things, I mean, if you were able to not laugh, who would want to listen to that? We don't really ask, how are you? Expecting or wanting an answer. Maybe you do. I don't mean to speak for everybody. I don't really ask people how they're doing. Close friends, I guess. I like to think if when you ask a question like that, though, you want, maybe not want, but are receptive to the idea that there's maybe an answer that could call for a greater level of engagement. Yeah, I guess if people said, you know, I'm doing great. Here's this great news. That would be an example of, uh, you know, positivity around that sensation. But oftentimes it's just, you know, the boilerplate. A sort of nothing answer to a nothing question. And nobody's mental health is any better for it. And if somebody were to say, you know, how are you doing in? Great, have you seen my giant ass? Which probably isn't even that giant, but I'm pleased with it, so let's just roll with that. You say that to somebody, they're just like, oh, okay, that's nice. How lovely. Gonna walk away now. It's difficult to engage with people on a, on a deeper level other than the superfluous. Think of how many think pieces are written about this subject. Millennials don't have friends. Millennials don't talk. Feelings, blah, blah, blah. Mental health, such a disaster. All those sorts of things. America's mental health is in the shitter, apparently. Maybe not even just the millennials. And I think Mr. Rogers was onto something with the whole feeling stuff. You know, I talked about this in the last transgender story time. But throughout this whole transition journey, I've wanted to time and time again just stop and uh, take take note of what's happening. How I feel about it. And the truth is, I, I don't have a ton of outlets to just say to somebody, oh, this is how I'm feeling today. I don't get a lot of genuine, how are you doing, type questions. I don't think I'm, you know, unique in that regard either, but it helps me to think about it. 
So I'm not, I'm not full of answers. I can tell you the meaning of life. I can tell you how to be happy. If you've listened to this podcast for this long, you're probably sympathetic to the ideas that I'm working through, but I don't have answers. And I don't approach it from the angle of, you know, you know it's, not the, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Well, I very much want to figure some of this stuff out. I'll write a Marianne Williamson-type self-help book afterward, but engaging with the idea that there's parts of me that don't evoke feelings of dysphoria is still a novelty to me years into my transition. You hear the phrase gender euphoria for the people who are just so happy in their transition? And I, I've never really... I've never really hugged that... Uh, I've never really embraced that concept all that much. Not that I'm not pleased with my transition, but I'm not euphoric about being trans, I'm going to be honest. Life in a lot of ways was a trade-off. I don't suffer from dysphoria anymore. I do suffer from the world not really being a huge fan of trans people. I still face discrimination. It's external rather than internal. It is better. I'm happier. But let's be serious. I have to take hormones for the rest of my life. I have to... I'm having a very invasive surgery, which... Let's just, you know, fill in the blanks on that one. And this is not to rag on the transgender experience, but just, just to be frank about it. A lot of the pluses come with, uh, you know, it's like a seesaw. Or for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. Which I would love if it wasn't the case, and that's really, you know, the importance of LGBTQ activism is to create a world... I mean, the, the, the optimistic thing about where I'm at in my current situation is a lot of the, the annoyances that I have with the transitioning process is just the fact that uh, society still has a lot to learn. And, you know, thankfully, we, we can change that one. You know, it, the alternative doesn't, doesn't work because if I hadn't transitioned, I wouldn't be experiencing that kind of reaction, but I'd have to deal with the demons in my head knowing that uh, I wouldn't be able to... Uh, knowing that I was choosing not to fix it. So I'm not really euphoric about where I'm at. I like it better than where I was. I guess maybe there are parts of me that are uh, very happy with the way things have been turning out. I think I feel pretty good. Uh, like, like I imagine most of you out there, I have my update up. I have my ups and downs. I have my good days, my bad days. The bad days are a lot calmer, and it goes back. It, it all goes back to butts. I talked about in in transition on your own terms the very first podcast episode about how I would uh how I owned a colorful wardrobe that was kind of a a way of compromising on the fact that I would have to wear uh boys clothes they would be they'd look gay as shit pinks and uh greens a lot of pastels I'm from Greenwich Connecticut the where vineyard vines was created 
if that puts everything in perspective. Very preppy town. Tried to dress really gay, but I didn't like it. Ties are the absolute, they just suck. I know there's certain settings where women would wear ties, but I love the fact that I'm not really obligated to. No, uh, no Catholic school girl uniform. We wouldn't be allowed there, that's for sure. Nowadays. <sighs> I went to Catholic school for pre-K through 8th grade. Pre-K through 12th grade. No. Pre-K through 10th grade. Two years, 11 and 12th in public school. And then back to... Uh, Catholic school for uh, all of undergrad. Basically, of my entire education, the only years where I wasn't at a Catholic school were uh, nursery school, which doesn't count. Or does it? Two years of high school and uh, two years of graduate school. Not a big number. And sometimes I would have to wear a tie. And I guess if I was in the girls' class, I would probably, in some instances, would have had to as well. But as we can probably imagine, there's uh, no world in which a trans woman would be welcome at the vast majority of those types of schools, for the Catholics at least. So getting dressed in the old days kind of sucked. Not fun. And it's not like it's always like a walk in the park now either, because I mean, I'm, I I shouldn't be the first to tell any of you guys that uh, women are judged. This is shocker. This is shocker. Wait for it. Women are judged by our appearances. It's true. Who would have thought that in the year 2019 we would still have to deal with that kind of standard? A double standard in many ways. I mean, guys can get ridiculed for ill-fitting suits or whatnot, but it's it's a hell of a lot harder to fuck that up. Getting dressed now is more fun, especially when I'm like squeezing my ass into a pair of leggings. It's like a they grow up so fast type moment. Where everything feels right with the world. And for the first time in forever. Well, that's brutal. I really, getting dressed for the first time in God knows how long actually is tolerable. Except on the days when you really want to wear a t-shirt and leggings and you have to like put dress on or... I'm a staunch defender of Spanx. I know that's going to be a very controversial opinion to a lot of people, but Spanx are great. If you're a pothead and you like a lot of weed, then, uh, you know, you do have the periods where you've got maybe a little bit more flab than you would normally like. You would normally like, and uh, lucky for you, there's this garment that can... uh, Take everything back in a little bit. And it's not super comfortable, but it's not like a hold or hold the door type thing. 
if you can get the thing on, then you're golden. Packed in like a sausage casing. And I'm not doing a great job selling the sensation, but uh Really there there it's if you're going out and you're worried about your appearance, squeeze yourself into a pair of those before you put your dress on, and you look a lot better. I feel a lot better. And I, I one of the few people I know who has a positive opinion on shapewear, but you know, if it works, it works. And it makes my butt look bigger. I haven't looked into the padded ones. Mostly because, I mean, I just... I, I would often wonder if it would look fake. I had at various times in my life looked into ass implants. Not as a serious... Uh, well... Who's to say if I was serious or not, but not not with the intention of calling up a doctor and scheduling a consult. Something filtered into the, you know, what if kind of categories. And if you're trans and you've been transitioning for a while, you know, I, 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 I think back to when I first decided that I was definitely going to do this and you do kind of think of, well, what surgeries am I going to get? Am I going to change my name? Am I going to, you know, pick out all sorts of things? And then, like any kind of list that's made that far in advance, you know, some things happen and some things don't happen. Uh, I have not gotten implants on my tush, just from the general trajectory of this podcast. It's really not something I'm giving a lot of thought to. It's not even for a lack of desire either. I just, you know, I'm not dealing with unlimited funds. I'm having a facial feminization and uh, bottom surgery, the big one, in October. And I haven't had any others to, at this point besides, you know, a couple of years on HRT. If that, obviously, that counts, but under the knife, no... Uh, Surgeries. And I, I don't live my life sort of, you know, I don't have a little checkbox on the calendar. I'm not, you know, once I get these surgeries, oh, what am I going to get next? I've taken it all very slow, and, and you know, I, I, I feel better, and as a result, no doubt, feel less inclined to want to go under the knife for other reasons. But, you know, implants would be nice, or the padded Spanx. Shall we get on this topic in the first place? And I guess to take sort of a bird's eye uh, view of all of this, if, and this is probably uh, more geared toward the cisgender people, or if you're trans in the closet, if you, if you haven't transitioned, if you're wondering what transitioning is like. Or the, the benefits that you hear from people. I think it's probably, you know, maybe best represented in the idea that I would do a podcast talking about my own ass. And talk for over an hour on that. Because it, it has caused a reaction in me. It has made me feel things that evoke emotion. 
And I will be an unabashed champion of emotion from now until hopefully, hopefully until the day I die. Because there's just so many forces out there trying to tell us not to feel things. And sometimes, in a selected few instances, well, plenty of instances, but not all the time. Sometimes it can be good to suppress your emotions, but so many more times than that, we're told to do it for no reason, really. Be a man. Don't let them see you cry. I'm sure we can find instances where being a man or not letting people see you sad uh, would be smart. We're just so afraid of talking about how we're feeling. Not to drag this into feelings part two, but everywhere we're supposed to feel. You know, when you, when you set out to do a podcast on a topic, it's because you have emotion on the subject. Whether you want, you know, you're, something's driving you to want to do it. And when I decided to transition, it was uh, powered by a desire to get better, to stop going through these torturous battles of it's awful. Gender dysphoria almost drove me off the planet a few times. And actually, that level of depression doesn't really, at least I haven't seen it yet, have an equal and opposite reaction on the positive side. I haven't been, you know, cloud nine happy. And I'm okay about that because I, I don't need, you know, I'm not overly uh, eager to embrace the extremes of emotions like uh, feelings of gender dysphoria, suicidal uh, thoughts and all of that. You know, just, just you know, more vanilla run-of-the-mill kind of bland feeling contentment or happiness is fine. It really is. It really, it's it's okay to just sort of be happy and not need to, you know, hashtag blessed or that kind of stuff. Not to drag on any of that, but just, just the idea that, you know, I am, I was about to say quietly happy, but telling all of you, so not, not, not in that sense, but it's okay to... It's okay to be happy and not tell the whole world. It's okay to be happy and to tell the whole world. Well, not like rub it in your face happiness. Which I don't really have. You know, I read, I read these accounts of trans people on Twitter who are just so super happy. And I'm really grateful. I, I'm really glad for them. I've yet to like truly, truly experience that for myself, but... Maybe I maybe I have, and I'm just used to it now. I don't know. What I do know is that I'm pleased with my my tush. It's like a it, it's like a lightning uh, lightning rod, a lightning moon, that best represents the the just the very idea that things are good, and things are good now. I don't know what the future will bring. You know, there's so many different what-if variables that could happen to a person. You know, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow. That will probably not happen, but it could. And I'm going to 
like extra take extra care walking this walking across the street. This transgender body of mine often aches and pains. Uh, as a whole, it doesn't look the way that I necessarily want it to look just yet. It's getting there. And that's the part that I, and if you're transitioning and you're in a similar boat of, of just kind of wanting this whole thing to speed up a lot, which I imagine is all of us, I mean, transitioning not a fast thing. And because these changes happen gradually, it's just so difficult to just stop and smell the flowers. Not to smell the butt, even a clean one. Don't need to, don't need to smell the roses down there. With the cling on. No, I'm not going to go there. I like my butt. You probably figured that out by now. It's okay to like your butt. It's okay to like yourself. It's okay to see yourself as uh, well on your way to a journey. It's going to be slow. It's going to take time. But it's good to just, you know, every once in a while to take in the moment. And acknowledge that uh, you're doing okay. Or you're doing your best. You know, how, how much that's worth in the broader... How much that's worth in the in the grand scheme of things is an open question. I can't answer that. But, uh... For me, at least, mental health is a balancing act. Making sure that the, uh... Wheels in motion are, are moving and that the things I do to make myself feel okay are uh, all available for when I need them. The things that all of us have that make us happy. And now I kind of get that in the morning when I get dressed. You know, reach around, take a, take a look at the uh, tush... And remind yourself that, uh, you know, we don't know if it's going to be okay, but it's okay right now. And with that, I think that's uh, probably a good good place to end our conversation about butts. Wide-ranging conversation across both moons. God, those butt jokes are bad. You know, if you have your the that favorite part of you that's changed, that you're uh, makes you happy that you made this journey, take a good long look at that in the mirror and remind yourself that you know there's a lot of bullshit out there, but there are little things that make this journey worth it. So give your touch a squeeze and celebrate this uh, journey called life that you're on. You don't need to be trans to. Celebrate your butt. Everybody. You know. Take a good look at your butt in the mirror. And with that, I uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. This is a show that covers a lot of different topics. I know that a lot of people listening are, are probably, uh, who listen to the podcast in general are not here to listen to pseudo-philosophical rants about bizarre topics, but... Talking about this kind of stuff helps me. Maybe it helps you. Even if, you know, just one person out there, that's enough. 
And actually, you know, that person, if, if I'm feeling like it's better than, uh, that's already the one person right there, but hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody else too. So, uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>